1: Welcome back, everybody, to the Important Nonsense Podcast. Thirty-two teams in thirty-two days, breaking down every NFL team for you before we kick off the twenty twenty-one fantasy football season. I'm Neil Smith, joined as always by Mr. Steve Bonham. Hello. Ah, uh, well, Steve, it's going to be a it's going to be a lot of fun because we're going to sit down and talk about the Tennessee Titans here today, a team that is uh, kind of polarizing right now for a lot of folks, but. As we sit down, it is the 28th of August, so if any of the takes we're about to give sound a little bit dated, check out the wrap-up show scheduled right before draft weekend here. So we'll update any takes that need to be updated. And uh, also check us out at importantnonsense.com at importantnonsense.com slash Patreon. For $1, you can get in as a our lowest level patron and get access to our Discord. Chat with Steve, chat with myself, chat with Jason Draven, chat with at, that nerd. He'll answer all your start sick questions If you have trades or anything like that you want us to look at, let us know. We'll evaluate your team and help you out with waiver wire, whatever you need. Or if you just want to talk shop about fantasy football, we're here for you. So looking forward to having you with us for the 2021 NFL season. Uh, For the purposes of today's discussion, everything we reference will be based on 12-team PPR, aka the new standard. We'll be referencing our own collateral. We'll also be referencing the Fantasy Pro's ECR. And we might talk a little best ball with our friends over at Underdog. Check out underdog if you want to grab some last minute kind of best ball drafts right before the season starts here. They're a lot of fun. They're they're relatively inexpensive, great payouts. And if you do decide you want to get down on that, use promo code nonsense. We would really appreciate that. So with that, let's get right into Tennessee. Let's tighten up. Tighten up. Uh, and you know, the Tennessee Titans are going to be pretty similar in a lot of ways to what we gave what we did yesterday for you. It's a lot of returning faces, just like Tampa Bay. It's not quite to that level, but there's a lot of familiar faces that are going to be coming back. Tennessee's been pretty good the last couple of years. They've had some. They've they've had some struggles uh, in the off season that we'll we'll break down here for you. But a lot of familiar faces, a lot of repeat, a lot of repeat people coming back. And one of the people that will still be there and will be uh has kind of found a home here. It looks like is Ryan Tannehill. So. It's funny because we talk about auditioning for, for new Philip Riverses. And one day I think Ryan Tannehill <laughs> right. might be that. Yeah. One day, but it's not this year. And Ryan Tannehill is also funny to me because he's been so disrespected for so much of his career. And now it feels like we're finally, that's finally dropping off. It seems like he's done enough to where his ADP is actually adjusting with his real performance on the field. And I think a lot of the Ryan Tannehill historical haters have kind of had to eat some crow here and and are, are adjusting their rankings to account for what he's been able to do the last two seasons with Tennessee. So with Tannehill, for me, you know what you're getting at this point. He's somewhat mobile, but he's not a Konami code guy. He runs well enough. He'll run when he needs to. He's very accurate. He's got decent deep ball accuracy, but he's not necessarily the league leader in anything like that, but he can get it down the field when he needs to. And he's very good at short and intermediate things. And they've got enough personnel for him to where I have very little in the way of concerns about it. He's QB 11 as far as a website projection for us. He is my QB 11 for fantasy football this year. And I'm curious to to know how you view Ryan Tannehill in terms of your actual rankings over there.
0: Yep. Same thing. He's 11. He's in that final tier of my top 12 with Matt Ryan.
1: Yep. If he's my starter, I'm fine with it. And where is Tannehill in ADP right now, Steve?
0: Right now in the ECR, uh, Ryan Tannehill is actually QB 9 Ooh. and he is QB 10 in ADP.
1: Boy, we're a long way away from the historical everybody hates Ryan Tannehill. You can get him for free (laughs) type of thing. So, and I think that's correct, by the way, I think I would urge people to maybe not invest quite as heavily as what they are, but at the same time, the inflation hasn't reached a point to where I'm going to, I'm going to like, you know, get on my soapbox about it. So realistically speaking, this is the adjustment that should have been happening earlier, that is not that now we're catching up to. So that's where you can get Ryan Tannehill. And at this point, I'd say, eh, I'd like to get him a little bit less expensive than that. But Depending on how you play and who you're playing with, I don't think that you're going out of your mind to take him at to take him at nine if that's if that's your guy and that's who you feel good about. So beyond that, there's nothing else at uh, at quarterback. Realistically speaking, you're talking about Logan Woodside effectively is the is the backup. So if there is one concern there, which is so, if something was to happen to Ryan Tannehill, I do have some concerns about whether or not that team would immediately go in the gutter. But because of their cap situation, they don't really have money to have too much in the way of quality backups. They've spent a lot of capital retaining their, their core of stars. And speaking of their core of stars, you can't talk about that without going directly into what matters, which is Derrick Henry. And there isn't too much for me to say about Derrick Henry, right, Steve? I mean, what, what, do, you, what do you want us to talk about? What's there to say?
0: Yeah, here's your only problem with Derrick Henry. So great in half PPR and standard, obviously. He's the number one player to me in standard. Mm -hmm. Um, When you're talking about PPR, though, he doesn't really bring anything to the table in terms of pass catching. That's more Darrington Evans. And look, he's done it the last two years, right? So he had 1,500 yards on over 300 rushes last season. Or I'm sorry, two years ago. And then last year, he had 380 rushes and over 2,000 yards. So he's had back-to-back monster seasons running the football. Also, 16 touchdowns and then 17 touchdowns. So on on our site, we have him projected for 17 touchdowns. That's roughly his average. Even if you dropped it down, because, like, again, the average for guys coming off a 2,000-yard season is anywhere between... 1,200 to 1,500 yards, we have him projected right now for 1,385, close to 1,400 yards. Even if you dropped him down to only 10 rushing touchdowns, cut his production almost in half, he would still project out as our number eight PPR running back. So Derrick Henry is fairly solid. The only concern, again, is he's put a lot on his legs the last two seasons. At some point, does something pop? And that's the biggest concern is he's touched the ball a lot. He's been on the field a lot. He's taken a lot of hits. He is a freak of nature though. So he's 27 years old. Will the body hold up? Can he make it an entire season? eventually father time catches up with everybody.
1: Yeah, and so despite the fact that he's 27, you know, you do folks with a long-term memory will remember that, you know, early in his career, he was sharing a job with DeMarco Murray, and then he was also sharing a job with Deion Lewis, infuriatingly enough uh, for a while there. And then after that, since then, though, he's been the primary bell cow. So at this point, he is in what is called Curse of 300 territory, where you're talking about guys that get 300 carries over successive years, there's a lot of history that proves that that is not sustainable and something will eventually go wrong. So this, for a lot of people, the reason why he's he kind of fluctuates to a certain extent is there's a certain number of people who are in the industry and just in general, who are really concerned about what you just said, that this is the cliff year for Derrick Henry. So there are some folks who would tell you to stay away. I'm here to tell you that even if this is the cliff year for Derrick Henry, You just went through it with the projection. He doesn't even have to hit our projection to still be the RB8 in fantasy. And it's just a function of what running back is this year. So to be honest, I don't think there's enough depth really at running back or other guys of his caliber. I'd be willing to saddle up and ride with Derrick Henry, even in PPR for one more season. He's only 27. If he was 30, I might feel a little bit differently about it. At some point, there will be an expiring shelf life on this but I'm not convinced that it's 2021 and I can't project it that way.
0: Right. And and again, just, just to, to, to your point, to give you kind of some, uh, recent history stuff, if you will. So Ezekiel Elliott, Mm -hmm. Zeke has had, he had 300 rush attempts in 2016, his rookie year. Uh, he was suspended, remember for part of 2017, which was the only reason he didn't hit 300 that year. Right. He had 304 in 2018, 301 in 2019 and 244 last season. Cut back a little bit dealing with some injuries, but he's been a massive workhorse that has put up good numbers and repeated that year on year on year. You also had Marshawn Lynch from 2012 to 2013, back to back seasons, did it successfully successfully. You had Adrian Peterson has only had over 300 rush attempts in his career twice, and they were not consecutive seasons. Michael Turner did it twice in 2010 and 2011 back to back, and then fell off the cliff. I was going to
1: say functionally ended his career, right? Doing that,
0: uh, and then you had Arian Foster, who in his uh, second season in 2010, his breakout year, he had over 300 touches had 278 the following season, dealing with a couple of injuries, only played 13 games, and then had 350 in 2012 before, again, his career was effectively over. So this doesn't stand up normally for more than two or at most three years maximum. As I said, this is in the last 10 years. There's only a couple of guys who have done it at all. Ezekiel Elliott's the only guy who's been able to do it in consecutive years successfully and come back and maintain his level of production. So now you're talking about Derrick Henry had a monster year in 2019, had somehow an even bigger year in 2020. Cause remember the narrative last season was he's dead. You can't rely on Derrick Henry, sell now, sell now. <laughs> and that worked out, worked out great. So here we are again, top 10 guy. Locked in probably in your top five, but just know there is that risk there that he falls off the cliff.
1: Yep. And so it's just worth pointing out. And there's a few things. I think a general PSA for the Titans might be in order, which is, and it might be weird to say this after all the nice things we've said about Derrick Henry over the years. But just in general with the Titans, for reasons that we'll, I'm sure, get into, if you're a risk-averse individual, maybe try to stay out of Tennessee for this season. And uh, it's there there's a number of different factors that, that would go into that. There's uh, there's the the age of Derrick Henry versus the price point that you would have to to do to get that. There's the you know, Ryan Tannehill now actually goes at sticker price for what he should be going at type of thing. And then there are some COVID concerns in Tennessee. Folks who will remember back to last year will will remember that the Titans and also just a function of kind of Tennessee in general. Not really super interested in doing a whole lot about this whole pandemic thing. And the Titans also got themselves into some hot water last year when they broke league protocol, when their facility was shut down and they were told they can't practice, that a a large group of them went over to a local high school and started having that practice there, which caused them to get fined. It's just, if you're a risk averse type of person, there's some things that are the macro environment that maybe would cause you to kind of raise your eyebrow about tennessee just in general for this year and what's going to happen along the way so just bear that in mind as we sit here and finish breaking down the rest of the the tennessee titans just there might still be some covid concerns with this team is kind of the byline and with that psa over back to the fun stuff we'll move back into wide receiver and wide receiver should be a lot of fun in tennessee because Dynasty receiver darling, A.J. Brown, is still there. Wide receiver one for them. He was excellent last year. For folks who read the trade content that I write, you're welcome. You're welcome, folks. A.J. Brown is a stud in this league. Folks might remember him uh, from Ole Miss. He's going to be great again this year. I have very little in the way of concerns about A.J. Brown. The big news is, for the first time, I mean, in forever, uh, they actually have a wide receiver two- that is a name that I think people might be interested in. Corey Davis, we covered it in the Jets show, was let go after the season he had. They did not want to bring him back for the number that he was able to get on the open market. But what they were willing to do uh this offseason was go out and secure Julio Jones from Atlanta. So that was a pretty interesting time frame there where he he's coming in now. He's had a chance to get in through camp which they're having this year and things like that. But now there's two guys in Tennessee, Steve, as opposed to where historically there's really only been the one. So do you have concerns? Because we talk about this a lot with Tennessee. It's kind of a low volume passing attack, in, you know, normally. So they've really only been, been able to have to prop up one and a half guys, I'll call it. It's one to one and a half. Well, now there's two. So how do you feel about them now having to have two guys? Are you, are you, are you concerned about that from a volume perspective?
0: Uh, no, not at all. That's basically it. It's, I mean, there's not a lot to discuss on it. It's we, we talked about this several times uh, throughout the, the season last year, but essentially AJ Brown and Corey Davis were taking turns for basically the first half of the season where one of them would finish in the top 12 and one of them would finish in the top 36. And we just didn't know which was which. It it rotated between the two of them who was going to have the great week and who would have the okay week. And A.J. Brown played the first game, got hurt, missed a couple of weeks. They had the bye week in week four that was rescheduled again because of the the COVID protocol stuff. But from weeks five through 16, uh, when he was back and healthy, A.J. Brown on a points-per-game basis was a top 10 wide receiver, just in overall points during that stretch, he was wide receiver four. And during that same time frame, again, when he was healthy on a points per game basis, Corey Davis was wide receiver 23. So they were right there together. They both had consistent value. What I was concerned with, with this whole situation is that you would have Julio Jones being overvalued like he was in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Yes. Remember at the beginning of the season you had people saying that Julio Jones was still the one people on our
1: staff, by the way, like, and that was the biggest fight from our entire ranking summit. I think was that conversation was that
0: Julio Jones was still the one that Calvin Ridley wasn't good enough to emerge as the one that, uh, he shouldn't be top or they're both top 10 guys still like, why are we fading Julio so much? Blah, 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 all this stuff. And the concern was that when he went to Tennessee, it would either knock both guys to a point where they were both being valued too low, or you'd overvalue Julio Jones and he'd be going too high right now in the ECR. AJ Brown is wide receiver. Nine Julio Jones is wide receiver. 18. That's exactly where they're going in ADP. That's basically where I have them ranked. Me too. So there's really no discussion for me about those two guys. I feel like that's appropriately priced. I feel like there are guys in that area of wide receiver, like a CD lamb, like a Corey or Cooper cup, like a DJ Moore, Mike Evans, that I'd rather have that. I feel like have bigger upsides than Julio Jones, a clearer path to be a more productive fantasy receiver. But at the same time, I'd still rather have him over a Kenny Galladay or Deontay Johnson, because I like the situation better.
1: Well, yeah, and, you know, a Kenny Galladay, there's a lot of warts with the injuries and, the, and just, the, just the general noise that is the Giants. Yeah. And, and then a Deontay is a great player, but he's competing with two other guys for meaningful playing time and targets. Whereas in Tennessee, this is it. It's very similar to Tampa Bay, like we just discussed yesterday. There's, there's, it's the starters and nothing else matters. Yep. That's it. It's the it's this is what we have, and if something was to happen to one of those guys, I don't even care because there's nothing to handcuff it with. There's you're not handcuffing Derrick Henry with Darrington Evans or Don'ta Foreman, and who that actually might be a we might need to look at that. <laughs> but there's a uh, as I as I say that out loud, but you're not handcuffing anybody with Derrick Henry, period. And then you're uh, it's a similar thing with the wide receivers because once you get past those two guys, who just to co-sign that I do believe those are very valid ADPs for those. Yeah. I don't think you're overpaying. So draft away on those on those gentlemen. But beyond that, it's Josh Reynolds, who's probably the biggest loser of the entire 2021 offseason. Because at one point, he was being drafted like he was going to be the wide receiver two on this team, and that's never going to happen now. And so he's basically relegated to nothing. And there's nothing else. There's, there's no one to worry about drafting. So if you want to draft A.J. Brown or Julio Jones at those ADPs, draft away. I, I think there's worse options that you could take with those picks. I think you'll be fine. I don't think you can get burnt at that point. And you should, you should be happy with either one of them at either of those price tags. So what I would say at that point then is it will expand out to all pass catchers because now there is a shakeup in the tight end room. Uh, Our friend, John, who our, our, our boyfriend, obviously we covered it. He's in new England now he's gone. So they've had to kind of scale back at certain things just due to money financial constraints so their their tight end starting tight end now is anthony ferkser who at one point was being projected to be kind of a sleeper tight end before the julio jones trade and now with julio jones being there he's kind of readjusted back down the tight end rankings down into the 20s which is where he realistically belongs he's not exactly like the world's greatest athlete nor has he got the world's greatest hands he's good enough to, to have that job that's my opinion on it, and I mm-hmm. certainly wouldn't overpay for it. And at this point now, you don't have to. So right. correct me if I'm wrong, but he's in that grab bag of guys, right, at the end of your draft where it's like, eh, maybe it hits, but it's not expensive, so it's fine.
0: Yep. Yeah. Dart throw territory, that's it.
1: Dart, dart throw territory, wouldn't overpay for it. And uh, that's really it, folks. They don't have that much in terms of skill position, guys, that you'd really be interested in. It's Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry, the two wide receivers, and then maybe... Anthony Ferkser, if it worked out that way and he was cheap yeah. enough, there's nothing else to discuss other than to point out to, to everyone, that the biggest change is that defense that has been NFL average to maybe slightly above average for the last few seasons is probably not going to be that anymore <laughs> because that they have lost a lot of talent on that defense to other teams. And just haven't been able to have the financial capacity to backfill it properly. And they've been too good to have the draft picks that you would need to rebuild it along the way. So yep. I'm projecting regression from the Titans defense, particularly in the secondary. They're going to get torched in the secondary, frankly. But they're playing in a division with only one other team that matters that's any good. So they're still a playoff team. It doesn't really it shouldn't impact that from a real football perspective. So probably stay away from the Titans defense unless they've got a really cake matchup uh, along the way. Wouldn't be drafting it. Yep. And kicker is kicker. And in this case, it's, it's Tucker McCann, ladies and Mm -hmm. gentlemen, who that'll be an interesting one because nobody knows anything about Tucker McCann.
0: (laughs) How dare you? Who doesn't know about the legend of Tucker McCann played at Mizzou He's from O'Fallon, Illinois. All those O'Fallon people out there we've got yeah, in the audience.
1: eight people just gave you a big thumbs up, but they're mm-hmm. probably at the bowling alley right now anyway, so they're not listening to that.
0: But, uh, no, I mean, Tucker McCann, remember last year they had so many guys uh, where they were... they They had so many guys that were going through the car wash of... The, the kicking room and they had Stephen Goskowski who was struggling um and right now uh, McCann by the way is dealing with an injury I know that so I believe he's either roster bubble and it may be Sam Ficken who ends up winning that job out or uh he will be the guy that emerges but either way whether it's him or Sam Ficken whoever the starting kicker is at the beginning of the season is a guy worth picking up to me because this offense will be good enough to put up points and the defense will be bad enough that they'll constantly be chasing points. So just monitor the starting kicker situation in Tennessee because that's someone I'm interested in off waivers.
1: That is fair because especially because you won't have to draft it and it won't matter and it, it so that that's not the that's a that's a decent kicker take. We do get those two periodically every once in a while. It it does happen. But beyond that, I think that really rounds out your Tennessee Titans for, uh, for 2021. It's a, it's a lot of familiar faces, as we teased from the top. And still some good values, but it's not the Tennessee Titans of the last two years where you could just get value, 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 because everybody hates it. And, and it's going to be a little bit more sticker price, but it's not inflated to a point yet where either you or I would, I think, be cautioning people to stay away. So we did it, Steve. We're at 31 of the 32 teams in 32 days with that. And so tomorrow, we're going to sit down to cover the last the last team in the NFL, which normally I would say it would be the last and most certainly least team in the NFL. But unfortunately, I can't make that joke anymore. I'm very sad. That joke, That joke is no longer accurate. So we're going to talk about the Washington football franchise tomorrow. And I'd really advise, check that out because... This is where I think you could actually get a lot of steals because of how bad people think they're going to be. So there's, there's a lot of interesting nuggets in The Washington Show. But with that, we will catch you all tomorrow.
0: Music for this podcast is provided by Lee Rosevier. I'm Tim Kitzer from NBA Jam and NFL Blitz. And you can find all the guys at ImportantNonsense.com. Kaboom!